Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Edmonton 106, uh, I have a correction to make, and many of you have pointed it out because people have listened to this show. No hockey. Sunny in Vancouver says, Bob, I missed it, but did you just say Kyle Turris was an American? He is a Burnaby New West guy. Uh, another, actually, we ended up getting nine different texts on this by my count so far. John texts us, Pat texts us, uh, Kevin texts us. Yes, uh, NCAA player, but he is a uh, BC Interior kid, Kyle Turris, and I was mentioning Kyle Turris because I I would have time for him if he considered Edmonton as an option. Uh, gutsy move by Nashville. Four years left in his deal at $6 million, so they're taking a $2 million a year cap hit for eight years. Without further ado, we'll tell you this is the second hour of Oilers Now, brought to you by our title sponsor Digitex. They wish you and yours all the best during these challenging and uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and uh, software. Mess up, fess up. That's my rule, man. I was wrong. I said that uh, tourists... Uh, and you know what it is? Part of it's, it might be the mental block and I I have in my head for NCAA players. So that might be part of it. Uh, we're going to talk to one right now. A, a highly skilled, talented uh, NCAA player that uh, went on to a minor pro career and uh, subsequently has had an extensive NHL uh, career in as an executive from Sportsnet. We welcome back to the show for the Canadian power back, Brian Burke. How you doing? Brian good Bob how are you good when I was uh, 14 that's right 14 I got invited uh, by a guy named Ralph Twanaman to go to the Northern Arizona Hockey Camp as a 14-year-old after playing Bantam AA for the South Side. Uh, I was not allowed to go at that time. My parents would not let me go as a 14-year-old. And then their uh, building burnt down, and they closed their program. Greg Adams and Bob Beers were two of the players that came out of Northern Arizona. They're both a little bit older than me. So there you have it. That's as close to the end. Uh, that and the fact that I was Guy Godelsky's line mate, and he played at Colorado College and now coaches at Penn State. So that's the closest I got to the NCAA. So uh, speaking of the NCAA, uh, Dylan Holloway. Uh, we'll get we'll get started there. I know that you had some thoughts on the orders getting Holloway at 14. What do you think of the player? I really like him. I think he's big. He can skate for a big man. He skates really well. 
I thought it was a great pick. Uh, would you have any concerns about a team's lack of like Wisconsin had? I mean, they had uh, Turcotte their fifth overall pick, Caulfield, you know, fifteenth overall pick from Montreal, Keandre Miller, first round draft pick of the Rangers. Uh, that's a Wisconsin's a big time NCAA program. The school has a reputation for being a bit of a good time school, number one party school in the U.S. Would you be concerned about a lack of success for a team when you're looking and evaluating a, a player? Well, they've produced a lot of great hockey players, so no, I wouldn't have a concern about that. That's it does have a reputation as a party school, and and uh, but it's it's a good school and it's a great hockey program. You look at the guys that they've produced in the NCAA uh, that played in the NHL, and uh, no, I wouldn't have concern. I think he's in a good program, good coach, and uh, I thought it was a good pick. They might have my favorite American player currently in the NHL. And that's Joe Pavelski. He came out of Wisconsin. I mean, there is a guy that just has willed himself to become as great a player as he is. Yeah, he's from a tiny town, too. He's from Plover, Wisconsin. That's a tiny little town. But, uh, no, he's. Uh, I think this kid, Holloway's going to be a good player. Uh, again, he's got good finish. He's He's got a good historical scoring record. That he put up good numbers. Uh, he can skate. Um, I like it. Let's get to something that occurred just before the draft, because I know you're all over the draft day coverage for Sportsnet. But the trade that was made between Columbus and Montreal, and I full disclosure, Brian, I've always liked Josh Anderson dating back to when Scott Housen's staff uh, took him, I think, in the fourth round out of London. Donnie Boyd used to be based in London for a number of years, and they, they hit on a bunch of players. I don't think Don was running the draft at that stage for uh, Scott. I could be incorrect on that. But uh, your thoughts on the Domi for Anderson trade, a pair of Darren Ferris clients? Well, I like both players. Uh, I, I like to trade both ways. I think it was clear it wasn't working out for Max in Montreal. And you get to a point sometimes where a player butts head with the butts heads with the coaches, and at some point uh, you just got to give up trying to make it work. So you know, I would I was just telling the story in the in the Lotus Room here with the other announcers. You know, I had a player that didn't get along with a coach. I bring him down to the coach's office. Say, you two sort this out. I'm paying you both, and I'm sick of this. But at some point you just say, you know, like he's not playing on the fourth line. He's and Cole Julian's a, a hell of a coach, and he must have his reasons. But at some point, you have to have a divorce. And so the player they got back, he had shoulder surgery. I'm not sure, you know, that assuming he's healthy, I really like the pickup. He's big, he can skate, he can fight. And then I, I look at uh, Ottawa brought in Josh Brown, a big defenseman who can fight. That division's getting a little tougher fast. I heard Ottawa wasn't done there. I heard Ottawa was targeting forward as well. They want to protect some of the younger players. Obviously, Brady Kachuk, by the way, like Matthew Kachuk is improving as a fighter. Brian, I think Brady Kachuk's going to be an absolute beast long term for Ottawa. Like, but I'm I'm hearing that Ottawa is potentially looking at another top nine, potentially a right winger with a little bit of you know what, uh, just to r- run a little bit of shotgun. And Josh Brown, along with Curtis McDermott, for me, are the two toughest players in the league, 26 and under. So uh, maybe you're onto something. Uh, they're going. It's back to the future, Brian. They're they're building your type of teams. <laughs> well, they're never going to be as tough as my teams, but you, you, we couldn't play that way today. Like at my Ducks team, we would have to. Uh, that was a top six, bottom six team. Now you're more like a top nine. Yeah, uh, that's uh, who, who's. I mean, 
It's so tough. Here, here's the thing. We just had Tyler right on, and I didn't see any of the Oilers' fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks play. So it's almost impossible to judge. You really have to uh, trust your your scouting. Um, obviously, it's you know greater emphasis on skill than ever before. And is I mean, you're talking about the Eastern Conference teams bulking up with NHL players, but we're definitely seeing NHL organizations not shying away from drafting smaller players. Yeah, there were a lot of small-skill guys drafted. Uh, one thing that really impressed me when we interviewed these kids preparing for the draft um, was how hard all these kids worked during the pause. So they were all taken off the ice in March. And some of those kids, like Jeff Sanderson was telling me, Jake, had, had gone, he was gone. He started here with 6'1", 190. And, uh, and now he's 6'3", 205. So you have to double-check all these weights. Every kid put on 10, 12, 14, 15 pounds. It was amazing. They used the time diligently and used it well. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I was impressed with these kids. I was impressed with the, the quality of the interviews and, and what they'd done. You know, we had to ask each kid, okay, we got you down at 180. What are you weighing? 194. You know, <laughs> that was in five months. So they Brian, used the time well. Brian, I also gained 10 or 12 pounds over the four months, so I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> you, you know where I'm going. All right, let's yeah. get to free agency. Uh, Edmonton. Uh, there's a belief, theoretically, if Vancouver can't get Jacob Markstrom done, and the Canucks are in a unique position because they got Thatcher Demko coming, and you can only protect one goaltender. How much of an upgrade, theoretically, do you believe Markstrom would be over Miko Koskinen? Because they kind of had the same sort of save percentage numbers, Brian. Well, I think uh, I think Koskinen played, you know, gave the Oilers some good goaltending at times. It's clear that everyone's going one A, one B, so it's not going to be. You know, you want a fifty thirty split roughly. And again, these idiots always text me and say that's not eighty two. I'm like, I know it's not eighty two, but that's about the split they want. And I don't think we're going to play eighty two games next year. So you probably. I'd say it's closer to 60, so you probably want a 40-20 split. I don't think you'll ever see a $10 million goaltender again because the okay. workload's going to change now. But uh, I think uh, the numbers might be the same, but I thought Markstrom was remarkable last year. I mean, the number of quality shots that he faced every night was amazing. I believe he had the best save percentage of any goaltender on first shots. That's that, and I believe that is the second. So we're not talking rebounds and we're not talking save percentage overall. It's when he faces a first shot, he had the highest save percentage in the year, which may reveal. It, it also might say something about how Vancouver defends. Like maybe they don't give up as quite as high caliber scoring opportunities as some other teams. Uh, I, you know, I, I, interesting nonetheless. Um, you've talked about it a lot. Taylor Hall, I'm going to throw a scenario at you. Could you see the Toronto Maple Leafs potentially moving from Nylander, moving him on and taking a run at Taylor Hall? Um, I, I could see them moving on Nylander because they have too much money. He had a really good year last year. He played well. But his contract is cash under cap, so that's attractive. You take the $7 million cap, but it's $5 million cash. Yep. And so that's attractive. So I could definitely see them moving him. Um, but I, if you're Taylor Hall and you come here and you're not going to play with, with uh, who would you play with? Who comes off the, the line? It's, well, it's possible, you're either with, but I think they need, defense, they need defense more than they need forwards. Yeah, you're either there with Matthews or Marner. Or, or sorry, yeah. Matthews or, uh, or Tavares. Tavares. Yeah. Uh, what about Montreal for him? 
Yeah, I think they're going to get in on it hard. Yep. Calgary? Uh, I think they'd like to. I'm not sure. I'm not sure they've got the cap space to do everything they're trying to do. Are they in on Petrangelo? Uh, that I don't know. I, 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 I said this on the draft show. Brad Living has been of no value to me whatsoever the last week. <laughs> hasn't told me a thing. I'm yeah. like, you ungrateful guy. I, I hired you, for God's sake. <laughs> but I haven't gotten a, a peep out of them. I, it's funny, because I'm not the insider. Chris Johnson and Elliot are the guys who work the phones here. Yes. But I haven't gotten much intel at all this week. It's like teams are really being diligent about security, about what they're going to do. Well, and uh, we've talked about this before, Brian. Uh, if you're running a team, that would be an absolute. I mean, how much deception actually takes place, as an example, with the draft and going into free agency? Does that actually occur? Yeah. Yeah, we've deliberately, we did it as an organization. We, we would provide no information. But if we did, it was often misinformation. Hmm. So, hmm. you know, I would say the guys, look, we're getting close to the trade deadline. I don't want leaks. I don't want Elliot coming up with something. I don't want anyone coming up with something. Keep your mouth shut. Don't take media calls. And if you do have to take one, talk about stuff that's public record. Don't talk about anything we might do or might not do. Uh, do you think that Doug, Ar- look, Doug Armstrong is a highly regarded general manager? Do you think he finds a way to get it done with Alex Petrangelo? Uh, I bet you they're, they're going to the last minute, but I don't think it's going to get done. It looks to me like it's time to move on. What would the acquisition cost need to be to uh, – I'm watching this Vegas situation with Marc-Andre Fleury. Somebody said today that Vegas would eat half the salary and give up a second-round draft pick to get rid of Fleury. I, I I can't believe that would be the case. Yeah, like, I, think, uh, I think it is. I've heard it from a couple of, a couple of team people. No. I think it's true. Now, do you think that applies to say Edmonton and Colorado? Like, would it apply to a team in the division, like like the Oilers? Like, hey, we'll give you you take if you take Flurry, we'll eat half the salary, and we'll give you a second round pick. You throws back a, a prospect or a seventh. I just don't like if it was you, if you were in Kelly McCrimmon's shoes, would you trade in the division like that? Yeah, I, I would be. Maybe not to Colorado, but I don't think they view Edmonton as close to them right now. Okay. I don't think they view if you if you put the teams. On, I said this on the Vancouver radio this morning about them going for OEL. So if you're trying to get Oliver Ekman Larson and you look at you look at your team with him without him, and, and it's usually the kind of piece you add when you think you're close. And I just don't think they're close yet. I think they're still a couple of years away. They've got yeah. some beautiful young pieces, and the same with the Oilers. They they still got a lot of work to do before they're in contention, in my view. How uh, you bought out Todd Bertuzzi once? I know I wrote about that. Uh, you brought, but you only bought him out. You brought him in on a two-year deal. Bought him out in the second year. I, I'm sure it's a little bit frustrating. Ownership never likes to hear that. How do you think that conversation occurred between David Poyle and that uh, group that owns Nashville that were buying four years of tourists out at six million bucks? Is that a tough call? Yeah, they're always unpleasant. You know, like Calgary's famous ownership there didn't believe in buyouts, and you go in. And the owner looks you right in the eye and he said, five years ago, you gave this guy an eight-year contract and you told me we needed him. And, and he enhanced our chance of winning a cup. We don't have a cup, and now you want me to buy him out of the last three years. It's a very difficult conversation. Yeah. But it's part of cap management, too. Part of, part of cap management is you got your cap, and, and some of that's going to be dead money. You, you, ha- you have to eat people's contracts to get the space. If you want to be competitive, so it's part of cap management. I don't. There's hardly any teams that don't have some dead money. The New York Rangers, 
got as lucky as anybody could be over the course of the last two years to get Kako number two a year ago. I think they moved up five spots. They moved up like 12 spots this past year to get Lafreniere. They made a trade yesterday, giving up on Leah Sanderson, a seventh overall pick. They, they got back the 60th pick for Anderson a couple of years later. Is that easier to do when you've been gifted Kako and Lafreniere over the course of the last two years? Well, I think it, it clearly hasn't worked out for Leah Sanderson, and he's been disappointed in their handling of him. They've been disappointed in his performance. It was time to move on. I think that's a pretty good return, considering what he's done since they drafted him, which is basically nothing. Yeah. Now, his dad uh, works, works with the Kings. They yes. think they can get him back. This is one of those things you hope it works out, right? You hope that they salvage this kid and turn him into something special, turn him into a good player. You're cheering for the kid to work it out. But uh, based on what he's done, and I saw reports from him playing in the American League and stuff, and he's done nothing since he turned pro. So this is a good return, I think, for, you know, get, get the divorce over with, get him somewhere playing and see if it works out. Yeah, foot speed obviously concerned there. Well, I'm going to contrast that with the Oilers' patience with Yessa Pugliarvi. Uh, new general manager, new coach. I know Marcus Leto is still the agent, but he's now with Wasserman, uh, which, you know, Jeff Jackson's a big part of Wasserman. He has Connor McDavid. I'm stunned the Oilers got a two-year deal done on Paul Yarby. Uh, I think it's pretty good negotiation work on the part of uh, Ken Holland. Give me your thoughts. Well, everyone likes to point to the Edmonton Oilers about drafting Paul Yarby. And as I've said on this show many times, do you know where we had him? exactly where they took him. Everyone did. So this is a guy that everyone thought, based on his world juniors, based on his play in Finland, that he would step in right away. Didn't work. Not Edmonton's fault. They're giving it a second shot. This is smart. This is called asset utilization. And so they've gone to him, and Kenny Holland's a smart guy. He's a patient guy. He said, look, it hasn't worked out so far. We've never quit on the kid. Let's give it another shot. I think it's smart. If you're GM of Edmonton looking at the Oilers, who's a better fit as a potential third-line center? Kyle Turris or Miko Koivu? Uh, if you could get them. Which Kyle Turris do you get? Last couple of years have, haven't been great, have they? No, that's the problem. Is that you, you get Because I think Kyle Turris is a great kid. And I think he was a really good player in our league, but he hasn't been in the last couple of years. There's a reason they're buying him out. That's a very expensive buyout. And they're saying this dead money is worth more to us than this player at full salary. So I don't know. I'd have to spend some time with the kid before I spend a lot of money on him. I'd have to fly in and sit down with him, not take his agent's word for anything and say, what's on your mind? Because he is a good kid. Koibu skate well enough anymore, do you think? I love him, but I don't. I would not look at him as, as a major addition. Again, a Spezza type like that one player to be a veteran in your room and bring the team along because Jason Spezza's a good kid, just like Koivu is. They're not kids, either one of them, but for me, they are. Um, I don't know about that. Which team, final question for you, Brian, you're going to be part of Sportsnet's coverage tomorrow? Yep. Okay. Which uh, which team makes the no- most noise the first couple days in free agency? Uh, I think Montreal is going to try very hard to do something big. I think Vancouver's still working on the OEL stuff. Uh, they have till tomorrow, I guess. Um, I should know the answer to that question. I, I, I don't really have an answer. I will by tomorrow now that I realize I should have prepared an answer for that. I, I think Montreal's going to try very hard to do something. I think they think they've upgraded their defense. The kids came came through in the playoffs. 
I think they think they're a lot closer than most people do. I think they're going to try and do something big. I think Kovalchuk is a likely return to there, um, but I think they're going to try and do something bigger. Brian, I'm looking at their body of work. I mean, they got a really good backup goalie for Price in Jake Allen, in my opinion. I mean, he has strong numbers this year. Joel Edmondson, that trade for Falk, I'll never understand. And then the contract Falk got, I know he's an American player and he can move the puck and all those things. I was surprised Doug Armstrong did that. I liked the and, – and look at the numbers all these other veteran defensemen have re-signed for with their clubs. The Canadians got him done right in the range of those guys. I like Edmondson. And Anderson gives that team a little bit of, you know what, up front. You got, you know, I'm not the biggest, like I was a huge Canadians fan as a kid. I think, I think Bergevin's had a good off season so far. He's had a great off season. And, and you see the way Kakaniemi and Suzuki played in the playoffs. They're, they're set at the center position, but they've got almost no scoring on the wing. Since, you know, Brandon Gallagher's their leading scorer and he struggles, you know, he works real hard to get 25 goals. And, uh, they need some scoring on the wing, and I think they're set at center, set at D, set in, set in goal, but I think they're, that's why I think they might be a big player here in the Taylor Hall sweepstakes. Brian, our fans love having you on the show. Thanks for your time. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. It is 125 at Edmonton for Canadian Power Pack. That's Brian Burke, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication, and solar. Uh, Oscar Clefbaum, obviously, we're still sort of not sure as we look at our injury report for the folks at James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, and the gang at James H. Brown want you to stay safe and stay positive during these challenging times. And when accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. We don't have full clarity yet on Oscar Clefbaum. What, if anything, uh, will that affect the course and direction of what the Edmonton Oilers do here over the next couple days? It's 126 in Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers Now. Hi, this is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. In Wetaskiwin. Now, 0% financing back at Brentridge Ford as well. Come see the deals on 2020 F-150s, Escapes, Mustangs, and more. Plus, get a trade-in bonus of at least $1,000 when you swap out your 2016 model or older. You can visit Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brentridge Ford in Wetaskiwin. They're your Ford authority on the auto mile. Or go online at brentridge.com. I mentioned the Oilers now injury report for James H. Brown. Let's look at the rest of the league and uh, Brendan Escott. Yeah, let's go down the list here, starting with Tyler Sagan. Uh, he was playing through a torn labrum in his hip uh, and is out four, four months now. Yeah, uh, Rupe Hintz played on a fractured ankle and an injured hip. Radic Faxa had a broken left wrist. That's what held him out in the final stretch. Uh, Blake Como suffered a separated shoulder after that big check from Ryan McDonough. John Klingberg also with a shoulder ailment, as, uh, as did Captain Jamie Benn. Uh, Essa Lindell played through a hand issue. Ben Bishop had knee surgery in late May. And uh, Stephen John said he wasn't comfortable playing because of his concussion history. That was an interesting one. Uh, but finally, and maybe the most interesting one, Bob, outside of Sagan, was Anton Hudobin having uh, surgery on his shoulder to fix some sort of a numbness issue. He was having uh, numbness in his fingers because of a nerve uh, some some damage. <laughs> never never a good situation. In Sagan's case, I don't believe it was just 
the torn labor. It would not surprise me if he actually had plus-plus on the injury front. Uh, he was hurting for certain, and you could tell there was no explosiveness in his game. Uh, the, the guy can shoot the pill. Uh, the, the, the quick release was gone. I felt real empathy for him, and... You know, there's nowhere to hide there. It's it's it. Dallas just. I mean, Dallas. Did they actually finish behind the Oilers in points and had a better points percentage? I mean, they were not an elite team. They were a good team, a veteran team, and they got busted up. Uh, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Back with George Larock. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, six thirty. Chad.